You're listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. Worship with us on Sundays in Kansas City, or join us in June for our youth and young adult conference called Bold. Starting a new series called David. It's about the man in the Bible, for those of you that make the jokes. Uh, we wanted to call the series I Am David until <laughs> we thought that'd be awkward because my name's David. So um, uh, this is uh, called David, and really what we're going to do over the course of the weeks ahead is take the life of David and read through the scripture and just apply the principles to our lives. And so there's actually 66 chapters in the Bible about David. And so we've got a lot of content. There's really nobody more that we can read more about in the scriptures other than, of course, Jesus. And so there's a significant amount about his life. One of the things I love about the life of David is many of the narratives in the Old Testament, you read the story and that's that's what you get. You just get the story about the person. One of the fun things about the life of David is that because we have the Psalms, we essentially have his prayers or his vertical statements to God as he's going through his life. And since David was called a man after God's own heart, one of the best things that we can do is not only look about his life, but see what he said to God in the midst of his struggle and learn from it. And so if you have your Bible, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 16. We're going to start early on when David was just a young boy uh, in Bethlehem. And so he's a young shepherd boy uh, growing up um, just outside of Jerusalem in Bethlehem. And we're going to pick up in verse 6. This is where Samuel is going to Bethlehem and he's going to anoint the next king. All right. And so Samuel coming to Bethlehem. He's going to the house of Jesse. Here we go. We'll pick up in verse six and we'll study these seven verses today. All right, here we go. Young David. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab, one of David's brothers, and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, so Samuel's dialoguing with God while he's anointing the next king, do not consider his appearance or his height. Everybody, that's my life verse, just so you know. Um, I was told actually in college that everybody should have a life verse. And so most of my peers were picking theologically rich verses like, I am crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. Christ lives. I picked this one. (laughs) Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. That's right. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. Bless the Lord. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the hearts. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had, had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shema pass by. But Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? Ah, there is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. And the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. And Samuel then went to Ramah. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for your word. And we thank you, Lord, that we have this story of David in the scriptures. We ask, Lord God, that as we look at this great king, this king of Israel, this man that you called a man after your own heart, God, that we would be able to develop ideas, 
that we would be able to learn, that we would study the scriptures, and that we would be able to apply these ideas to our lives so that we might be a people after your own heart. We love you and all of Radiant Church said, amen. Amen. This is where David has a season long before he's ever famous, where he is growing in his identity in God. So David is a young man and he is in the hills of Bethlehem and he's alone with God. He's alone watching sheep. He's alone killing lions and bears. And it's this season of being unseen It's this season of faithfulness in serving. It's a season of growing close to God that prepares him for his destiny. How many of you have ever been in a season where you felt like your popularity didn't exist, where maybe there was not not a whole lot of things going well for you, but in the midst of being unseen, potentially being faithful to what God had called you to do, you actually experienced growing closer to God. Like in the season where it felt like nobody was applauding you, which is one of the biggest cravings of our age. One of the biggest cravings in America, but really all over the Western world is this constant applause, be famous, be known, be seen. And so one of the hardest things, just because of the culture that you live in, to do is to be unseen, unapplauded by people, and yet be content. And yet, here it is, find identity in God. Find who you are, what God wants you to be about, how you define your life, how you see yourself, not based upon how many likes are on Instagram or how many people know your name, but based upon the God who is the creator that looks at you and has declared to you who you are. I remember for me, probably one of my favorite seasons of life uh, was a season like this. And in reality, like living in the time, it felt like one of the darkest seasons. But as I look back on my life, it was one of the glorious seasons because it was when God was preparing me and training me. And so for me, it was my junior year of college and uh, I was serving had a local church and my dad was the pastor and it seemed so cool to be my dad's pastor. And then my dad said, hey, it was August, 1998. He goes, I'm leaving, I'm moving to Seattle. So boom, mom and dad are gone going into my junior year. My brother who was in high school is leaving with them. And so my family gone and I had this really great girlfriend named Renata. And uh, I thought she was pretty much awesome, but she broke up with me in order to go do a Christian internship in Colorado. What's up, babe? And, uh, (laughs) mm, pierced my soul. Anyway, and, uh, so Renata, she's my wife. For those of you, this is your first time. Sorry for the awkwardness. Everybody, she's like, is that a joke? What are you talking about? This is Renata right here. We're married, have four kids. Anyway, it worked out well for me, but anyway, for the sake of the illustration, I got broken up with. All right, so there you go. And so Renata broke up with me and, and then I was carrying a heavy lo- load of uh, classes and, and there was a new pastor that wasn't my dad. And so now I'm on his staff and he kind of has to have me and, every, and I'm kind of the old regime. And, and I just remember it was like, honestly, it was the season where everything shifted in a moment. And I found myself when it came to school and ministry and even my girlfriend. I was in a sense living a different life because sophomore year, boom, all that was going great. Junior year, it was a year that felt a little bit different, but here's the reality. When I look back at my life, honestly, my junior year of college was a hallmark year. 
because it was in that season that really God began to do something inside of my heart where I began to spend long hours alone with God and, and God began to speak into me what he called me to do. And I started to fall more in love with just being alone with God. And in retrospect, I wouldn't trade my junior year of college for anything. And uh, back then, um, there was a song that kind of became the, the theme song for me of that year, like the song that I played over and over again. And so I used to drive a 1991 red Mustang. Um, it wasn't a GT, it was an LX, but I souped it, I'd make it look like a GT, so it was really slow, but it looked fast. And um, <laughs> because I didn't care what people thought of me. But anyway, and, uh, and so I used to drive that around and had... This is, it had a tape deck. Y'all remember tape deck? So it had a tape deck. I had this tape deck. You remember there was this song in the 90s with this band that came out that was like really great Christian band in the 90s called Delirious. And uh, yeah, there you go. There's some saved people. And uh, <laughs> back in the day, like there was, there was music and then there was Delirious. Like it was like mm, worship in a can and wah. I mean, it was, it was a cut above. Like it rock. It came out and so... It, it, see, some of y'all know. All right, everybody, 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 anyway, all the Gen Xers are like with me. Yeah, what's up? Millennials are like, what's he talking about? They're like, oh, is that like Spotify? Kinda, uh, but different. We actually had to like, when you wanted to find, we didn't call it like, you had to find the song, not the track. Before it was just find the track, it was you had to find the, that's not it. It's harder to find it. You know, my kids, they're like, I just, I just want, I want to pay another level so there's no commercials. I'm like, commercials? You need, you don't even know pain. But anyway, <laughs> kids. Anyway, and so there was this song, though, on the record that Delirious put out, and it was called Find Me in the River. And uh, it became like my favorite song, like 1998, this was the song. And I just began to play it over and over, over and over, because here was the word. It said, find me in the river, find me on my knees. <sighs> Even though my soul is laid bare, find me in the river. I'm waiting here for you. I want to sing, find me in the river. I mean, before there was Martin Smith, though, there was David. And David, 3,000 years ago, was writing some songs even better than find me in the river. And this idea of find me in the river, for me in that season, was this. God, find me on my knees. Find me with my soul laid bare. Even though I'm cracked and dry, find me here. Find me where it feels like nothing else is working out right now. I know in theory you got a big plan for my life. I know that you want to do things, but right now, she broke up with me. Right now, I'm alone. Right now, I'm in college. It's hard. Right now, I am broke. All were true. And yet it became this significant season of being faithful in that season, getting alone with God and finding identity in God. And, and today, my, my dream for us is that you would see the season that you're in, though it might be unapplauded as being faithful, being faithful in where God has you. David was this young man who was in the field. And long before David was ever a giant killer, David was killing lions and bears to protect the sheep. Long before David was ever having songs sung about him by the women of Israel saying, Saul is slain as thousands, but David is 10,000. David was singing worship songs to God. 
Long before David was entrusted to take care of the people of Israel, he was entrusted to take care of a flock of sheep. And the reality is, is that David had a long season where he was alone with God in isolation before he ever became the leader that God had called him to be. And so I want us to go into these next few minutes where we look at David as a young man. And I want us to embrace a season of being prepared, a season of being trained, a season of being faithful, faithful in the field, alone with God, faithful in the small things that he's called you to. So I'm gonna call this message today, find me in the field, instead of find me in the river. Find me in the field on my face. Find me in the field with my soul laid bare. Find me, I'm waiting here for you. In other words, I'm gonna find God the great thing about David is that in 1 Samuel 13, 14, we have this moment where, where God says to Samuel, I'm going to reject Saul. And then he says, for I sought for a man after my own heart. So what does God look for in a leader? Does he look for height? We've got that defined. No. Ha <laughs> ha. Bless the Lord. All right. Does he look for wealth? He's not looking for wealth. Does he look for a famous name or a royal family? He's looking at a heart. He's looking for a heart. And so you've got God saying, Samuel, here's what I'm looking for. I have sought for a man after my own heart. The idea that God would look for anything, that God would seek after anything is pretty a wild idea. That the God of the universe has something that he's looking for in order to use. What is he looking for? Heart. He's looking for a heart. He's looking for a person after his own heart. It's the idea of you have the opportunity to be a steward of your heart. And what God cares about in the season that you're in is your heart. And our temptation is to think about everything else in order to get what we want. And God says, I'm not working on those things. I'm working on you. And so God sees David and David is a worshiper. David is looking up at the sky at night and he's starting to write ideas about what God is like. And there is this creator and he's heard the stories about Moses, Abraham. He's heard the stories of Joseph, and Samson. And he's going, if God can be known and if there are leaders that have known God, though he is an unknown shepherd boy, eight miles outside of Jerusalem, in Bethlehem, in a small town, he's going, then why not me? I want to know God. I want to sing songs about God. I want to declare how great God is. I want to say you are awesome. And nobody else was going, yeah, way to go. It was just God saying, yeah, way to go. It was David alone with God. Nobody, and, and sometimes we go, well, I'm going to use being a worshiper as a means to get my promotion. But David never had a vision to become king. David just had a vision to be a worshiper. David didn't have a vision of promotion. David was a shepherd boy and he was just worshiping God because God was worthy to be worshiped. And so David was out on the hillside. I've been to Bethlehem, and so you've got these big hills, and David is, is just on the hills, and he's just taking care of the sheep, and in the midst of isolation, in the midst of being unknown, 
David is going after God and he's writing songs and he's singing songs about how great God is. And he's even taking, you can find the Psalms because he's, he's making it applicable to his own life. And so he is a shepherd and he's just writing, the Lord is my shepherd. I'm their shepherd. I'm taking care of these sheep. But you know what, God? You're my shepherd. God, you take care of me. I'm, I, don't, I don't have want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, just like he's helping sheep lay down in green pastures. He restores my soul. He leads me beside quiet waters. In other words, he is my source. He is my God. And he's just writing out to God who God is to him. The reason why I love that is because each one of us are in a journey where we're wanting to have our own relationship with God that's vibrant. And when you put David's life up to the Psalms, you get not just the story, the narrative, but you get the emotion in David's heart. You get the thoughts in David's heart. And so here's the God of the ages who looks at David and he sees David's unseen devotion. Nobody else sees, but God sees. And I wanna invite you to believe today that God has not changed. And the way that God sees David's unseen devotion, he sees you when you fill up your car with worship music and you sing whatever is the song in this season of your life, probably oceans, you know, whatever is alive on the inside, as you say, your reckless love, your God, you're amazing. And you're crying in your car and you're declaring it. And our temptation is to say, I want other people's praise, but here's the vision. God what you say about me is enough. God, the way that you define me, that's enough for me. I would rather be with you. I would rather be known by you than known by anyone else. And if God really does see me, love me, delight in me, then I am content with just you and me. And so here's David in really obscurity and experiencing God on the hillside. So that first idea is just simply that God sees you when you feel like you are in obscurity. And the logic that comes out of that is to think, and obviously my hope is, is that one day, boom, I step into fullness of what God has. And I think that's the right one. But I think that many times we're so on the treadmill of activity that sometimes it's good to take a step back and voluntarily go into a season of obscurity in order for God to prepare you for the next season. So it's not just, hey, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm on the treadmill of life and busy and doing my stuff and God, you gotta break in. But it's interesting, Jesus himself voluntarily goes into the wilderness, right? Matthew chapter three, you know the story where the father speaks over the son. This is my son whom I love with whom I'm well pleased. And at that baptism event, it's Jesus heading into ministry. And at that point, most of us would be like, what's up? I'm going, audible voice, here I go. I'm off into ministry. I'm off into what God's called me to do, here we go. But it says that in chapter four, verse one, that the spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. So he goes 40 days into voluntary obscurity. I'm just, it's just, I'm gonna get alone with God and fast and pray. And then comes out 40 days later, ready to go fulfill what God's called him to do. Here's what I invite you to. I believe that we have so much clamoring for our attention that we don't even realize how much we live for the applause of others. 
I wanna invite you to voluntarily choose a season. Maybe some of you, you're in it and you're waiting for God's next season for you. But some of us, it's like, you're just busy, 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 busy going. And it's this opportunity to step back and say, God, I'm gonna find identity, not in all these other things, but I'm gonna find identity, not in my activity, not in what I can do, but in what you say about me. And so you've got the God of the ages who sees a heart and in everything that you've got, in everything that you're busy with, in everything that you could be working on, this would be incentive to work on your heart, to gain a vision that says, God, I wanna have a heart after you. I wanna be a person after God's own heart. God has not changed. He's still looking for people that he can use. And the predominant, predominant thing he's looking for is a heart after him. Like in secret, you're after God. And then when you look at this, it's interesting because David, David is in Bethlehem, small town. David is in isolation and God knows exactly where to find him. Sometimes you may feel like, does God even see me? Here I am working in this cubicle. Here I am taking care of these kids. Here I am going to this community college, whatever it is, I want you to know that the same way that God was able to find the young man, the future king that he wanted to use, he can find you wherever you're at, whatever your story is. And undoubtedly, David feels like many of us feel. Surely he feels overlooked. Surely there's some pain. I mean, imagine this story. When Samuel shows up to Bethlehem and we're talking anointed to be the most powerful person in the land, in Israel. And Jesse is supposed to get his boys and the word is out that God's gonna anoint one of his boys and Jesse brings seven, but he has eight. That's a father wound right there. That's, that's some pain. Like, what? Like, you gotta be kidding me. Like, cause that's the moment where Samuel goes through. He goes, not him, not him, not him. No, 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 all the way down. And then it's actually Samuel that says, you got any more kids? You got another boy? What's the story here? And Jesse, essentially it's Jesse saying, this is who I would bring. <laughs> These are, this is who I would recommend. And yet God had a man after his own heart that was unseen, being faithful in the field. And I just wanna encourage you wherever you're at, if you feel unvalued, overlooked, if you feel like unseen, feel like, could God use me? Listen, God has not changed. He still values the heart that's after him. He still sees, and you're not too far. Doesn't matter where you're at. Doesn't matter what job you do or do not have. Doesn't matter what the geography is. There's a God that is looking for you. And he has actually got a purpose and a destiny over your life. And so David, overlooked, but a heart after God, but faithful. And that's my prayer for us is that whatever season you're in, that you would say, God, I'm gonna be faithful in this field. And whatever it is, I'm gonna know God. I'm gonna be a worshiper. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, when it's just me and God, I'm gonna know him. I'm not gonna be distant from God. And you know what? When obstacles come, challenges come, even when there's nobody applauding you, you just killed the lion, you just killed the bear. 
And imagine the sadness for David when he kills lions and bears in obscurity. Like, we'd be like, whoo, picture, what's up? 100 people, give me a like. I just killed a lion, you know, like. And David's off alone. He's just being faithful, taking care of sheep. And you know what? A significant part of our lives in preparation for what God has for us is being faithful in the field with no applause, knowing God in the secret place when nobody else is going, you're awesome, you're amazing. And that is so, I mean, and really the younger you are, can I be honest? The younger you are, the more that's a temptation because that has gotten thicker and thicker and thicker in our social media culture. And it is alive. Hey, it's not, I mean, if, it, if it's not on Instagram, it didn't happen. You know, like that's the way. And so you, I'm just telling you, like there is this addiction to likes and applause and platform. And the great challenge is to substitute that, push it away and say, all right, my contentment is not who follows me. My contentment is not who applauds me. My contentment is the one who already sings over me. I love you. I created you. I delight in you. My identity comes from him, not from them. And so I want us to take not just, number one, that he sees your heart of devotion, and not just that, not just that David was overlooked, but I want you to see the way in the Psalms We've got these moments where David takes what he feels and he just brings it to God. And he writes it down. And I'm not sure what it looks like when I frequently encourage you all to spend time alone with God. But I believe that the way that David writes it down is significant because it helps you go back and see the narrative of your story. It helps you go back and see what God is doing in different seasons of your life. And we find that. That's one of the great things. about. I, I, I love the way even in Psalm 27 where David says, Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Now, clearly in this Psalm, he's saying, God, you're so great that even if, it's future tense, it's like, even if my, my parents forsake me, and I don't think his parents did forsake him, he's saying, you're so great that even if, the, even if disaster takes place. But I would say that David knows what it is for father to overlook me. I would say that David's learning what it is to find contentment in God because Jesse, Jesse didn't bring him in. Jesse gave him the hard job. Jesse left him out in the field. And there's so many of us that we are justifying some of our poor behavior because somebody hurt us somewhere a long way back. Here's my encouragement. In the same way that David would write out to God, but you, oh God, are my hope, but you, oh God, but in your presence, for you to get alone with God. And maybe mom and dad did forsake you or overlook you. Maybe there is someone in your past that has hurt you, but you do serve a God who heals. And if you'll get alone and just write out, this is who you are. And I would, I would invite you to consider putting it, writing it in a journal or putting it, I mean, some people have time alone with God, they even write it on their phone, but have, write it down and just have this chronicled, real, God, this is what I'm going through. This is my journey. And that's what I love about David. David was messed up. David wasn't perfect. David had really dark days, but David was a man after God's own heart because he had a relationship with God that was real. And when he fell short, he came back running to God 
And if you've got that, if you've got this relationship, if you, it's real, then we can become people that circumstance doesn't dictate if we're close to God. We've resolved. We're gonna be close to God. And if you go through a dry season, you get close to God. If you go through a challenging season with family, you get close to God. If you go through a challenging season in, at college or in high school with your children or with your parents, it's a resolution. And so David is this person where we find he's got this, this relationship with God even when he feels overlooked. And I think, I think we do so well if we can get that in us because so many times when I'm having coffee with people all here and the majority of the story is the people that hurt them. And I know what it is to live that way. I know what it is to be like, yeah, but if they wouldn't have hurt me this way or if they hadn't overlooked me or if they hadn't wounded me or if they hadn't done, then, and here's what I want to encourage us to. All right, but you, oh God, the Lord will receive me and you're my hope and you're my future and you're my light and you're my salvation and the greatest way for healing to occur is for you to get alone with God and begin just to talk to him. And here, here's, here's what's going on with me. We'll, and we're gonna look at these as we go through the life of David. There's all these moments where he's talking to God and it's specific to his story. So you can come before God and say, here's what's going on. And God, you are my source, even though I just lost my job. And God, you are my healer, even though my body feels sick. And it's just a real vertical relationship. And then the other piece I want to just read here, because I love this next piece where it says, so he sent for him and brought him in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. So suddenly in front of all those brothers that have just been lined up, David is now anointed king. Remember in the story of Joseph, where God tells Joseph about his future in a dream and David has to convince his brothers. Not so with David, all the brothers just here and there's still tension down the road. And there's always tension, by the way. Whenever you go to step into your fullness and you go, I'm gonna fulfill what God has for me, trust me, there's people that they get bugged. There's people that are gonna be annoyed. Eliab later is picking on David. It's just part of the process. So don't think, hey, I walk in the fullness of what God's got for me and everybody likes me. <laughs> That's never the story. But here's David. And this is the moment where he's anointed to be king. And I think sometimes it's easy to think, okay, yeah, well, there it is. You know, lucky day for him. No, 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 not lucky day. It was suddenly, but it wasn't lucky. It was this moment where David had been preparing in secret, unseen, and so that when God was looking for a man to serve, to lead, to fulfill purpose, he saw a heart that was willing and ready, a heart after him. And the best thing that you can do in the season of your Bethlehem years or the season of your field years is to be ready for when God calls you, when there's that moment. And our temptation is just be bugged. Well, I'm just not walking in the fullness of what I feel like God has for me. I just wish it was now. Here's the reality. If you'll stay faithful in secret, unseen, and you'll say, I'm gonna worship God when nobody's looking, then God later goes, you know what? <laughs> I'm gonna use you in the palace. I'm gonna serve. And you know, David ends up playing for the king in the palace. 
I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to serve these dumb sheep. Good, now you can serve these dumb people. No, I was kidding. You, <laughs> later on, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to protect these sheep from lions and bears. Good, because later you're going to protect them from a warrior named Goliath. It's what's done in secret. And that's, that's the, it feels like it's suddenly, and the opportunity is suddenly, but it's not lucky. It's God looking down and seeing, who's got my heart? Who's been faithful in the field? And who's ready? And I believe each one of us have a destiny, a calling, something that God's got for you to do. And the best way for you to step into the fullness of what God has for you is to stay faithful in the field. I love, did anybody ever see the YouTube video of uh, Susan Boyle? Did you see that? She was on Britain's Got Talent. And she was that lady that uh, didn't look like she was gonna be a rock star. And she walked on stage, she's 47 years old and everybody was kind of making fun of her until she sang, I dreamed a dream. And all of a sudden, I don't know if you saw it, it's like a lot of, it's like a ton of hits. And then she goes on to, you know, sell millions of, millions of records and she becomes this famous person in Britain. But it's that moment where she was unknown and she was, nobody had a clue and everybody kind of thought no. And if you watch it, they're kind of mocking her a little bit until she opens up her mouth and boom, she is ready for Britain's Got Talent. Like she, she's got it. Here's the reality. You've got faithfulness, years and years. Of, I'm gonna know God in obscurity. I'm gonna be faithful in serving in obscurity. I'm gonna be a good steward in obscurity. And then there's the moment where Samuel comes to town. He's got the oil and he's ready to help you step into your destiny. Now, I know that some of you hear that and you think, I don't, I'm good with what I got. I wanna invite you to get before God and say, God, what is the fullness of what you have for my life? Because sometimes it's easy for us to not step into that because actually leadership is work. Leadership is serving and serving is work. So what we often do is, hey, someone else can be the leader. I'm not a leader. I'm just fill in the blank, okay? But here's the reality. Just like Jesus would call his disciples and then give them work to do, just like God would call David to end up serving a nation, laying his life down, risking his life, a part of what it means to follow Jesus is to lay your life down. Whether you call it serving or call it leading, what it is is it's trying to help others along the way in their journey. And you've got greatest thrill, delight, fulfillment when you step into your purpose. It's far greater than what the culture says. The culture says, fill up the 401k, take a lot of vacations and enjoy you, be you. And great to fill up the 401k, great to do some vocation, look, vacation and vocation. But here's the big win. Here's the most fulfilling. God, how have you designed me? And what have you called me to do? And if you'll be faithful in secret, if you'll be faithful in Bethlehem, if you'll be faithful in the field, if your heart to God will be, find me in the field, then there'll be a moment where Samuel comes to town and you are ready. And God goes, you're ready, let's go. I, th I saw it when we planted this church. I mean, there were people who started to lead a marriage small group that, I mean, it just blew up. And all these young couples were like, 
flooding to this small group because there were some marriages that they'd been working on for 30 years. And when there was the opportunity to say, hey, we'll help you with your marriage, it was like, they were Susan Boyle. They were ready, right? We have a small group about how to be a father, right? How to be a, a, a good dad. And boom, it's got all kinds of traction. People, yeah, teach me how to be a good dad. Why? Well, faithful for a lot of years. Russ has been studying it. Matt's been doing it for years. And so, boom, ready, ready to serve, ready to lead, ready to take what God's done inside of me so that I can help other people along the way. And I'm just telling you, I, we, we live in a culture that says, hey, don't lay your life down, live for yourself. But the, the thing that God does in someone once they've got a heart after God is it's, it's not just about me anymore. It's about God. And if it's about God, then it's about his people. And that means I lay my life down for others. And that means you become a shepherd. It means you start to serve. It means you start to say, I, uh, God, I want the fullness of what you have for me. Actually, Luke wrote in Acts 13, 36 about David said, David fulfilled God's purpose in his own generation. You know what? One of the reasons why I love that verse so much, because David is so messed up. Like we're going to go through it. And David has got some massive issues. David is far from perfect. And yet the scripture records he served God's purpose. That's encouraging to me. Because it means that our journey is not, what's up? Climb, 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 climb. I'm awesome. <laughs> it's up and it's down. It's up and it's down. But it's, I got my eyes on God. From the days of my youth, I have sought you, O oh God. And that's David's cry. And so when you've got in your heart, God, I want to fulfill my purpose. That's what we're really committed to that around here. No, God, find freedom, discover purpose so that you can make a difference, so that you can lay your life down for someone else. We want to help you and you, whatever, however, I mean, it might be a class here. It might be books that you read, but once you have that purpose, like this is what I was made for. This, it will, it will become more fulfilling than the buffet of options that everybody else tries to get you to live for. It will, fulfilling the purpose of God on your life is greater than being the best looking. Period. It is greater. I wouldn't know, but it is true. I believe it. Right? We believe it. We know it. All of us, we're not all going to look great, you know, all the way through. Like one day, no matter how good looking you are, <laughs> yeah, you know, this is going to go well forever, right? Far more fulfilling than wealth. Far more fulfilling than, than, than perpetual play, than perpetual recreation. Here it is. The way that God wired you, the way that God designed you. And so... David fulfilled God's purpose in his generation. Do you know what's great? This is what greatness is. Greatness is fulfilling your purpose. When you stand before God, the, it is, everybody in our culture will say, <laughs> said, you were known that you had money, that you had what you were comfortable. Well, no, that's, that, when we look all through the scriptures about, you know, that's great. Actually, here's what's great. It's, I fulfilled God's purpose in my generation. That's greatness. And we live with a constant culture that says, no, 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 no. Let us tell you what greatness is. Greatness is to get above people. And the scriptures say greatness. Help me serve. Greatness is about comfort. God says it's about not comfort, but fulfilling purpose. Every single one of us have 
a purpose that God's got for us. And David's purpose, man, he started to really see it when Samuel comes to town. Hey, I mean, imagine the moment, whispers in his ear, you're gonna be king. Oh, that's a prophetic moment. <laughs> really? <laughs> Me? Yeah. Here's the reality. The way Samuel whispered in David's ear, the way that Samuel anointed David, the Lord wants to speak to you. Hey, I got a calling on your life. I got something I want you to do. The best way to get to the moment where you know this is it is this. Stay faithful in the field. Stay faithful with what you know. Worship God when no one else is looking. Take care of the sheep. Fill in the blank what you do. Take care of the kids, the cubicle, the mission's calling, whatever it is. I'm gonna be faithful in what you've given me. I'm gonna serve faithfully and know that the way that God sees is that God looks down and he goes, that is a heart that I can trust. That is a person that I wanna use. And the, the way that we wanna live is with God, I want to fulfill as much of my purpose as possible. God, I want as much as you've got for me. If you would like to follow Jesus, we'd like to connect with you on your journey. Email us at follow at radianchurchkc.com. If this ministry has encouraged you, we'd love to hear your story. Email us at mystory@radianchurchkc.com. If you'd like to invest in Radiant Church, please click Give on our website, radianchurchkc.com. Are you a young adult and interested in spending a year in Kansas City at Radiant Church? Check out radiantintensive.com. Thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast.